Adam Crowley. You don't know any of the lyrics? There are no lyrics. <laughs> but if I had to make some up, I would probably go with, Oh, Chechnya, oh, Chechnya, I love this freaking country. The Adam Crowley Show. Love that show. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Now we know why Antonio Brown's not at OTAs. He just tweeted this out. Quote, pee on me, tell me it's raining. End quote. I don't think I'd be at OTAs either. Sounds like he's having himself some fun. Also sounds like that was meant to be a DM. Stick with the burners, AB. You'll find yourself in less trouble. I was supposed to do yard work all day on Saturday, but my iPhone told me it was going to rain for most of the day. Fingers were crossed, prayers were said, coins were flipped into fountains, and yet, when Saturday rolled in, not a drop of rain fell. My iPhone was wrong. Because somewhere along the way, the weatherman was wrong. Not because he's bad at his job, but because his job is hard. Weather's unpredictable. So is sports. Have you ever seen anything like what happened to J.R. Smith on Thursday? How about Holpe's incredible save in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final? Austin Meadows is crushing the ball better than any rookie has in 100 years. Vegas and Washington are playing in the Stanley Cup Final. Ryan Reeves has two huge goals in these playoffs. It's been two games since Tom Wilson killed anyone. Sports are unpredictable. Us radio talkers and columnists are wrong a lot. Some pretend never to be wrong. Others play it safe so that they never will be wrong. Mike Francesa will never let you know that he doesn't know a piece of sports information. Some columnists will only go out on a limb if they feel like they've got the majority of the public on their side. It takes all kinds in this industry. Enter the Crowley Show, where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I've been wrong a lot. And that's okay. Prediction Radio is stupid. Nobody knows how a game or a series is going to play out. If Clay Thompson was out for the series, that might have shifted some of the momentum into the hands of the Cavaliers. That's why our show's different. I'll be wrong a lot, like you and every other sports fan in the country. And I'll tell you when I am, and I'll laugh about it. I said that Frazier could fill in for Harrison and be effective when Harrison was hurt. I was wrong. He stunk. I said that it was the same old Capitals after they lost to the Penguins in Game 1 and coughed up a lead. I was wrong. I said Meadows should be sent down no matter what he does in Marte's absence. Now I think they should have Polanco on the bench. I called out Hurdle for sitting Meadows, and then Polanco went 3-4. for four. I didn't think Washington would beat Tampa Bay. I didn't think Vegas would beat San Jose. I thought the Steelers were going to beat the Jaguars. You'll learn some stuff when you listen to this show. But you're going to have fun. That's what we're all about. There are people on Twitter arguing about Sean Rodriguez. Sean Rodriguez. Some numbers say he's a league average backup, and some are using those numbers to say that he should be playing as much as he is. See, even the analytics folks can be stupid, too. Everyone thinks they've got all the answers. In this industry, some will fight tooth and nail to defend their logic about this guy and that guy, no matter how wrong they may be. Takes are great. I've got a million of them. 
But some will be wrong. Whether you've got numbers to back them up or not, sports aren't played on a spreadsheet. We won't talk about them like they are, and we will still be just as right as the people who use them as gospel. This is to say we'll still miss from time to time. Why do I bring this up? Because I think it's important to bring up sometimes. I don't need people listening to the show and saying, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. A, I do. But B, I like to have fun. And if I'm going to be wrong sometimes, I'm not going to be mad or upset or sad that I was wrong. That's just the way it's going to be. PFT commenter will join the show today at 520. Maybe we discuss that. Maybe we discuss his Capitals being two wins away from the Cup Final. Maybe we discuss having to eat poop. I don't think I'm going to have to. If the series between the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors goes seven games, I will have to eat horse poop. He ate horse poop a couple years ago. Last year, this year he ate poop. Damn, because the Capitals beat the Penguins. So we totally just lifted their bit. Didn't know that. Now I do. See, there's another example of me being wrong. He'll tell me what it's like, even though I won't have to do it. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Pittsburgh's a great hockey market, but it's a really friggin' weird one. Go back about three summers, and there were some trade of game Malkin takes. Mark Madden said that that was the only way for the Penguins to rebuild the roster. They had to trade one of their superstars, and we all knew it wouldn't be Crosby. At the time, I didn't think it was that absurd a take. It didn't need to happen, and the Penguins have been back-to-back cup champs since, so it's good that it didn't. But it really crystallized that there are factions of fans in this town. Some who love Malkin, others that love Crosby. Most people love them both, and most people root for the Penguins to win, but a lot of fans were squabbling at the time about who to keep and which player is better and blah, 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 blah. Two years ago, and even through today, fans argued about Murray and Flurry. I got asked on my show a bunch if I'm a Flurry or a Murray guy. I'm a Penguins guy. I love some of these players, but never as much as I love the Penguins. Look at the numbers that Pittsburgh's putting up for the Stanley Cup final. The Penguins have been in the top five for the duration of the playoffs in terms of ratings. But for the final, I think a lot of it's got to do with Flurry. Dicks are selling Flurry t-shirts, for God's sake. I, I, Dick Sporting Goods. That's what I meant. I can't say anything about the people who are selling the jerseys. We love hockey in this town. We really do. But the sport was not popular before Mario. Yager helped. Now Sid and Gino. What will this town become if they leave? I think hockey is here to stay. I think that people will continue to care and support the team even when the stars are gone, but I don't have any evidence to back that up. Yins rarely cared about hockey if there haven't been stars. Now, enter the Phil Kessel conversation. It's almost as though some of you like Phil more than you like the Penguins. Again, not all of you, not most of you, but there's a chunk of the fan base that's ripping media members for even having the gall to bring up the possibility of moving that guy. I only want what's best for the team, period. If that means moving Phil, fine. If that means hanging on to him, fine. Pens fans, you should be okay with that, too. I know it sucks to watch your favorite players be traded and moved. Trust me, I've grown up watching the Pirates. But Lemieux and Burkle on down have shown 
that they'll do what they can to put a winner on the ice. Sully's a damn good coach. Rutherford's a damn good general manager. Trust the team. Root for the team. The Penguins are here to stay. Players, they'll come and go. Jason Mackey's going to join us today in about 12 minutes to discuss, and we'll get into some detail about the Stanley Cup final. Yesterday, the Pirates were almost no-hit. Oh, boy. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, my God. Is it terrible? Is it really? I mean, it sure shows your futility, but there have been 26 times this year that a no-hitter's been carried through six innings. This was just another one of those times. It happens, especially in today's day and age in baseball when strikeouts are up and contact is down. It's going to happen, but I'm not interested in that part of the conversation. The classic recycled, were you rooting for Waka to throw the no-hitter topic has been brought up on the station across the street. Do you want your favorite team to get no hit because you want to see a no-hitter, or do you want your favorite team to get a hit because it's your favorite team? It's what they love to do, especially this time of the year when they think there's not much else to talk about. That comes up every single summer. Pirates will get no hit through six, and they'll jump across the street. Oh, we got something to talk about. They got no hit through six innings. Would you like to see it? Here's what I say. Root for the no-hitter if you want. Root for the Pirates to score five. It doesn't matter. A, none of it matters because we're all going to die someday. B, whether you root for it or not, it's going to happen. And C, I don't need to be told what to root for and what not to root for. I don't care what your logic is in that you want to see the Pirates get a hit. I don't care if you want to watch history. FYI, there's been 299 no-hitters. They ain't that special. But the arguments are always the same. There's never any nuance, ever, at any point. Yeah, I root for my team always. I'm a Pirate fan, so I'm always going to root for my Buckos. Yeah, but don't you want to see history? No, I wear my Pirate pee. Yeah, but don't you want to see history? No, I want to see my buckos lay down a butt. Cripes. This argument comes up once a summer, and there's never anything new. Here's some nuance for you. Whether you root for it or not, it doesn't change the likelihood of the outcome. So if the Pirates get a hit, cheer if you're a Pirates fan. And if they don't, you got to see history. Bleep and boring, man. I know our signal sucks. Trust me, theirs is pretty good. Fine. But my God, we can do better than that. Boring. Come on. Jason Mackey in about 10 minutes here on the Crowley Show. The NBA is going to test coaches' replay challenge in Las Vegas Summer League. Are sports about getting it right or are they about entertainment? Pick one or the other, not both. Either give coaches the ability to challenge or wipe replay away. Give them the ability to challenge everything or wipe replay away. I can't stand that you can review some things in some sports later in games and not at other times. Case in point, you're watching the NBA Finals on Thursday and that play, the block charge, whatever you want to call it, at the end of the game was only reviewable because it was within two minutes. Had that happened at any other point in the game, they're not going to review it. So you're telling me that those two minutes are more important than two minutes the rest of the way in a game that wound up tied to go to overtime? 
It's not more important. It's just as important. It's crucial, but guess what? So were the first 50 baskets made in the game and the first 25 foul calls made in the game. They were all important just as much as they were at the end of the game there. And yet the only time you're able to do it was then. Hmm. It's stupid to me. Either give coaches the ability to challenge everything or give coaches the ability to challenge nothing. Uh, That's how I see it. Are sports about getting everything right? Are sports about everything being looked at meticulously with a fine-tooth comb? Zooming in in HD so that you can see the pubic hair cross the blue line before the puck does? Because to me, that's not what sports is about. Yeah, we have the technology, but I just want to be entertained. We're not talking about some grand trial in a big-ass jury trying to figure out whether or not some guy slayed his sister. Uh, we're not We're not worried about that. Uh, their accuracy is important. You need more than a preponderance of evidence. That's kind of important in terms of the details there. In sports, sure, you would like the outcome to be the correct outcome, but I'm not convinced that the correct outcomes happen now with replay. Jesse James touchdown. Come on now. The end of the game on Thursday night. Come on now. They reviewed the puck crossing or not crossing the line in game two of the conference semifinal with the Penguins and the Capitals, and come on now. They didn't get that right. So either you review everything or review nothing. Don't half-ass it either way, and that's what most of these leagues are doing. And the NBA is just going to get worse and worse the more replay that they institute. NFL's got a big problem with replay. Baseball's got a problem with anything that elongates the game. NHL, you don't know what goaltender interference is. You don't know what offsides is. You don't know what a hit to the head is, and yet they can slow all those things down and look at them. I'm anti-replay. And I realize I just preached all kinds of nuance in the first 12 minutes of the monologue and said, I haven't heard an interesting take from that station across the street. And then I go with the replay's bad argument. But that's why I said that first bit, which is to say I'm a hypocrite. Coming up next, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We're going to talk about tonight's Stanley Cup Final game number four between the Capitals and the Vegas Golden Knights. And what kind of hockey town is Pittsburgh, really? It's Crowley Show. Because somewhere along the way, the weatherman was wrong. Not because he's bad at his job, but because his job is hard. All right, weatherman, I'm going to tell you my point. I've got a sneaking suspicion that you're predicting rain to clear the golf course for yourself. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah, ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's It's happened before, weatherman. You know it. And you know what? I'm calling the weather people. So Antonio Brown made some news over the weekend as he tweeted out, to ask for your rankings of the best wide receivers of this generation, basically asking you to praise him. Well, now he tweets out, pee on me and tell me it's raining. Again, if I'm Antonio Brown, I'm not going to OTAs if I can find someone to do that for me. Uh, That's somebody that loves you. Or at least that's somebody willing to get down. Also, what the hell is he tweeting that for? the hell's that about? Antonio Brown went from Tremendous Steelers teammate 
on like the fourth day of OTAs where he said, Le'Veon, if you want to be here, if you want to get better, pardon me, you got to be here. And now he's not at OTAs and he's saying, pee on me and tell me it's raining. Maybe someone hacked his account. You got to change the password up every once in a while. Mackie does. Mackie's a smart guy. He, of course, joins us from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Jason, how are you today, pal? Doing great. How are you? I'm good. Uh, neither of us are as good as Antonio Brown, but we'll just move on past that. Uh, is this series between the Capitals and the Vegas Golden Knights going the way you thought it would go, Jason? It is not. It is not in the least. Adam, I'm a little bit surprised. Um, and I would like to think that the Vegas Golden Knights have another gear. I mean, I know they have another gear. It's just a matter of can they get to it? Are they beaten? Um, I, I think tonight is a huge swing game in this series. You know, if Washington wins this thing, I do think it's over. I, I think even against the Capitals, man, that is one tall hill to climb to come back from that. But if Vegas wins this thing, I mean, you look at it at that point as a three-game series. Vegas has the momentum. They're going back home. Everything is fine. It is just such a wild swing in this one. Um, and, you know, I'd love to sit here and predict that there's some sort of, like, sense around these teams or, or how they feel or what's going to happen. i got nothing. I, I really do. I'm going to be as surprised as the next guy when they play tonight. Yeah, I have not had a feel for this series since it was uh, – since we knew that these were going to be the teams that were playing. And I still, to this day, do not have a feeling, even though we've seen three games get played – do you think that Mark Andre Fleury is being outperformed by Braden Holpe right now? That's not to say he's been bad, but I think he's not been the better of the two goalies. Uh, if we're going to say that, it better be by a really slim margin. Because as much as Vegas has struggled, boy, I don't have a problem at all with what Fleury has done. In game three, he was fine. He was spectacular at times. They're hanging him out to dry. Um, you're, you're seeing Las Vegas or Vegas get a case of the Penguins. Here, you know, with managing the puck and giving up odd man rushes. And some credit, of course, goes to the Capitals. They're doing a lot right defensively, and they're playing really, really well. But um, I, I'm not hanging this one on Flurry. It's not even close. That game might have been 6-1 if it wasn't for Flurry. So, yeah, I mean, I guess Holtby is outplaying him. But it, uh, let's just say he's playing better than Flurry at this point. I think it's a little bit different than saying outplaying him. You wrote today about Brooks Orpik and why he's not about that comparing Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin life. Why does he not want to compare the two players? Yeah, so uh, I, a couple days ago, asked Orpik this question and got the, like, awkward answer, and then I saw a bunch of Washington writers, like, sort of giggling as I asked it, and I'm like, this is weird. What is going on here? And so Steve Simmons from Toronto, everybody in Pittsburgh knows him, uh, asked the same question yesterday, and Orpik did the same thing, same sort of snickers and whatever. And so today, I just went up to Orpik and said, like, I'm not asking you to talk about Sid and Ovechkin, but why don't you want to talk about Sid and Ovechkin? <laughs> and he kind of stared at me, as Orpik always does, and said, so you're not asking me about Sid and Ovechkin, but you're asking me about Sid and Ovechkin. Ovechkin? Why can't, why can't I say his name? Um, so he laughed, but I mean, essentially he doesn't like talking about them because they're completely different players, I guess. Maybe he's tired of being asked about them. He feels like from, you know, 2005 on, NBC in the league is kind of like force-fed this Sidnovechkin rivalry narrative, and to a point I agree with him, but I also think they're two of the best players of our generation. Orpik has played with both of them. It's a fair question. Yes. Um, although it was probably more fair in the Eastern Conference semis than it is now, but either way, 
Um, it, it's just weird, you know, that he, he gets that hesitated by it. I think probably what he would love to say, and he doesn't want to say it because he doesn't want to make it sound bad for Ovechkin, but, like, you know, Crosby just kills himself getting ready for hockey and is so into it, and Ovechkin is just not. And he kind of turns on a switch, and he's really, really good, but he doesn't have the same sort of preparedness or mentality that that Crosby does, and he doesn't want that to come across as Ovechkin is lazy, but, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of heading in that direction. Yeah, and I think that's probably fair. We all know how Sidney Crosby acts and that hockey is the only thing that matters to him. And if you want to live your life that way, great. If you don't want to live your life that way, I can get behind that too. It's funny, a couple of years ago, Alex Androvechkin was pictured not wearing a shirt. He was at some wedding. It might even have been last year. And he looked like me. I'm not I'm not overly fit. I'm kind of skinny fat. So is Alex Ovechkin. And Anytime Sidney Crosby takes off his shirt, well, that's not what I think. Yes. And <laughs> I don't know why that's so – it's just hockey, man. It's the most hockey thing ever. Like, you can't possibly uh, admit that, like, somebody doesn't have to work as hard as somebody else. Right. It's always the old Canadian, put your head down, you know, fall in line mentality. Like, screw it, man. Ovechkin's really good. He's really fun to watch. And I don't think he puts a lot of time in, in the offseason. And good for him. If I could get by with, you know, minimal effort, I would, but I don't have that much talent. You know, some people, are, they're just blessed with that. Good for them. Yeah, like me. Jason Mackey joins us here uh, on the Crowley Show. Uh, as far as for the Penguins, Washington winning the Stanley Cup for Penguins fans would stink, but I do think it makes the matchup between the two squads even juicier than it already is, no question in my mind. Yeah, but I can see where Penguins fans are coming from. You're going to see these guys a whole lot next season. There's going to be a whole lot of vitriol. And, and just figure if the Capitals lose, Penguins fans still have bragging rights. Yes. They still have all the bragging You know, you can rub your nose and be like, yeah, yeah, advance the Stanley Cup final. How'd that go? You know, there's still like a psychological edge. If the Capitals win the Stanley Cup and you're the Penguins and you're Penguins fans, what can you say? That argument, I mean, you could, we could go down the road of like, yeah, well, we won two or, you know, Sid's won three or whatever, but like, they're still the reigning Stanley Cup champions and they knocked you out of the playoffs. That stinks and there's not much of a comeback for it. So I get it. Um, I, I, these games will be heated either way. I don't think they need any extra juice. Um, but I, I have sort of spent some time thinking about like, what, what is that going to feel like for Penguins fans if, if the first time they play the Capitals next season, the Capitals are like, you know, raising their Stanley Cup banner or something like that. And I don't, I don't think Pittsburghers are going to take it well. They will not. It will change the narrative completely. I don't even know what you think if you're a Penguins fan, because I'm thinking of it from a Penguins fan perspective. It's so much fun to hold that over the Capitals. It's a blast. You kind of need to have that team. The Patriots do it to the Steelers, so the Steelers and their fans, they do it to the Bengals. Well, it's nice to be able to have that uh, over Washington, and I guess Penguins fans will continue to have it over Philadelphia, but it would, to me, make the rivalry even more intense, though. And I'm not saying that that's great for Penguins fans, but I do think it might be great for the sport of hockey, and it certainly would be interesting to see how things would change if the narratives change. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I just, you know, and I also think if you're Penguins fans, and, and you can just come back with, well, we won two in a row and, and three with Crosby and, and five total. And I mean, the, the amount of comebacks there are, are plentiful. But I, I just think you have to give Washington a just due do. here. I mean, the Capitals deserve some credit. 
they, they've done a lot of bad things in the playoffs throughout their history, but man, and Ovechkin, Ovechkin is leading the charge at this. And I know it probably sounds like heresy to people listening to your show right now, but like, he is really good right now. The Capitals are in a very good place. They still might blow the lead, but if they close this thing out, man, you got to take the cap. No doubt. And, uh, and Chase Mackey joins us here on the Crowley Show. One of the, one, and this is an unpopular opinion in Pittsburgh that is about to be forthcoming, but I love seeing the emotional reaction for Alexander Ovechkin. I don't want to see the guy win the Stanley Cup. I don't. Uh, again, I am a Penguins fan, but watching him throw his arms up in the air and jump around on the bench after a goal in Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals, like it's Game 7, I mean, that's pretty special, too. I think hockey fans in general, the casual hockey fan, has to be looking at that and smiling probably from ear to ear. For sure, man. And Kuznetsov, like, slapping his bird wings, whatever it is. How stupid good is that jackass? I mean, he is so good. (laughs) How stupid good is that jackass? Is that a technical term, Adam? Yes, no, it, I, I love it, man. I love when we can sort of beat the hockey out of hockey. You know, I watch the NBA, and it, it, they do such a great job of marketing their stars, making games fun, making it entertaining, luring in the casual fan. And the NHL just doesn't. You know, I mentioned Steve Simmons earlier. He had a, an interesting column. Um, if, if you're interested, Google it. But uh, talking about the NHL and on uh, the media off days yesterday, how they they had, like, Ryan Carpenter and Luca Spiza at Jesus. the podium for Vegas. And, I mean, give me a break. How are you not having, like, William Carlson, Marcheseau, Fleury, Ovechkin, Backstrom, I don't care whom, but, like, big names. And the NHL just, they, they can't get that right. They can't have enough fun. They can't, you know, market good players and, and make it a little bit more um, buttoned down or, or lightened up or however you want to put it. And Ovechkin does that. You know, them celebrating and being goofy. I just love seeing that stuff. And the emotion will match it on the flip side tonight if Vegas is able to play the game that they want to play. Last couple of things for Jason Mackey here of the Post-Gazette. Jason, one of the things I was talking about in the first segment is that I think Pittsburgh's a really weird hockey town. I think it's a great hockey town, but it's weird to me because I think that we kind of bow down to the players more than we bow down to the team. Uh, Sidney Crosby's got his faction of fans. Malkin's got a faction of fans. A lot of people are fans of everyone, but... Phil Kessel's getting defended now big time by a lot of fans. They don't want to see him moved. I get that. I absolutely do. But Jim Rutherford knows what he's doing. Mike Sullivan knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust the team. I'm going to trust the organization. I'm going to trust the logo. Do you think that Penguins fans are different than other fans in the way that they support individuals? Marc-Andre Fleury being in the Stanley Cup final now, I think, illustrates that too. Yeah, I do think Penguins fans are a different bunch. And, I, you know, I mean that in a good way and in an endearing way. I wouldn't be able to do what I do, and you wouldn't be able to do what you do without uh, them listening and reading and whatever. But, yeah, it, it is different. Um, I see a lot of other writers at the Stanley Cup Final, and, you know, in their markets, like people are going to read things about, you know, other teams or the sport or the league or whatever. And every time I write something like that, I can't say it does terribly well on the Post-Gazette's website, but if you put out something about the Penguins, about the individual team, the city, players, personalities, people they care about, it, it it's right up there with Steelers content. I mean, people love it. They're, they're eager to read it and get involved. Uh, so it's just it's weird that way. You know, and it, I don't mean this to sound, like, critical, but it's the best way I can explain it. It's almost like they're Penguins fans but not hockey fans. Mm. And I don't, I don't mean that like they don't understand hockey because they do. I don't want it to come off that way. It's just like the team is the ultimate thing. And 
yeah, I, I think you see that coming out with like the Flurry Murray debate, um, Crosby, Kessel, God forbid anybody criticize him or talk about any move the front office might make. It's kind of crazy how many people just are, are so eager to defend him. And I, I, I get it. I think he's a really good player and it makes a lot of sense to keep him, but there's a business side of that too that Rutherford and Sullivan need to consider. I'm going to do this to you, Mackie. Uh, what, what are the percentages that you think that, uh, Percentage chance that you think Phil Kessel's traded this offseason? I hate to be boring here, Adam, but I would say maybe 50-50. Yeah! I don't, I don't have a feel either way. I mean, what I know about the Kessel situation is that they're going to listen. I can't predict what other offers are, are sure. going to be. I know Rutherford has no hesitation about trading him if he would get an offer, but it's not a deal he's actively seeking. So it all depends on how other teams value Kessel, and that's just too hard to say. All right, one more thing now. I always lie to you. I always say it's the last thing, but it's not the last thing. You want to hear a funny story about that? I do. I might steal your thunder. Rutherford busts my chops about the same thing. I do the same thing to him <laughs> when I talk to him on the phone. He calls me Columbo, and he, he, he said, you're doing that Columbo thing to me again. And so <laughs> I'll, I'll, be, I'll think that I'm done, and then I'll see, like, something else on my notepad and my computer screen that I wanted to ask him. He just laughs. He always answers it. So go ahead. Well, so I hope you laugh, and then you'll answer it. And it's funny that you bring up Jim Rutherford because that's what the question's about. What's the relationship in your mind and having talked to these guys between Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan? How good of friends are they? How good of coworkers are they? Obviously, they won a couple Stanley Cups together, so uh, they, they work well enough. But how do you see their relationship, and how do you see it growing? It, it's great. There's no problems there whatsoever. Um, Rutherford absolutely loves Sullivan. When I talk to him about Sullivan, he puts him in a category with Paul Maurice, um, one of his you know coaches from Carolina. He just absolutely loves the guy. Um, so there's no problem there. I, I don't foresee any issues in the future. Um, they're going to continue to do um, everything the way they do it now. I, I mean, I guess some people maybe are reading into that because they gave differing answers on Phil Castle, but I think they each gave their answer and they're each right. But like put together, they kind of look contradictory. Believe me, there's no there's no issue there at all between the two. They are polar opposite personalities. I mean, Sullivan is like, say nothing, all business, all serious. Rutherford is like, yeah, I'm going to put some stuff out there and tweak some people and be a bit of a smart ass and have some fun and I'll deal with the media and I like this. And, you know, they're just they're different people and I think that's what makes them good together. Last thing here for you, Mac. Just kidding. Thanks for the time, buddy. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for having me. Be good. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We've got PFT commenter at 520. That's right. Like the most popular guy in sports media these days. Next to me. In my own mind. Coming up next, the Pirates stink, and it's your fault. Also, we got some business with the World Cup. I'll explain. It's the Crowley Show. No Murica in the World Cup of Soccer coming up in a couple of weeks. No Ireland, which sucks for me because that would have been my second team. And I didn't see Italy either. So all the countries of origin, not there. I got to find myself a team to root for. Tom's got to find himself a team to root for. Brian's got to find himself a team to root for. And we're going to need your help. Over the next week and a half or so, we will be rolling out the groups and having you, the listener, vote on which team we should be rooting for from each group, and then we will break the tournament down that way. 
it's our own little World Cup, really. So coming up later on in this segment, we are going to tell you all the nice things about Uruguay. All the nice things about the country of Uruguay, which qualified for the World Cup while the United States did not. How's that feel? Pirates fans ain't showing up. They shouldn't be. But prepare to get blamed. Last year after Juan Nicasio was moved to save $600,000, the Pirates blamed you because of the drop in attendance. In 2015, the Pirates averaged over 30,000 fans tonight at PNC Park. The attendance was almost 28,000 in 2016, and it was 24,000 last year. Now it sits at about 16,000. Here's what Neil Huntington said when he signed his contract extension, quote, We've got the assurances we are going to be able to continue what we've done. The more revenue that's generated, the more we put into the Major League Club, end quote. When McCutcheon and Cole get moved, got moved, it signaled to the fan base that the Pirates were raising the white flag instead of the Jolly Roger. Pirates fans are showing that they don't want to spend money to go to the ballpark because they don't want to be committed to a team that doesn't show them any commitment. Now the Pirates are losing because this team was always going to wind up doing so. They've got good parts. Moran and Meadows and Marte and Bell and Dickerson, they're all good players. Musgrove and Kingham look promising. Tyone and Glass now have talent, but this was never going to be a good baseball team. Wait for just a bit, and you're going to see who gets blamed for this team's failures. Do you think management's going to point a finger at itself? Hell no! They're going to point to the decline in attendance. And if it's not their fault, that the attendance is dipped. And here's where I want to point the finger. Here's where I want you to point the finger. At Pirates apologists and media fanboys that told you to go to PNC Park when the Pirates were winning this year. The enjoy the ride people. Tim Williams called you all idiots for not going to PNC Park when the team was winning a bunch of baseball games earlier this season. It was a victory lap for media members like Chris Mack and Tim Williams who were telling you that this team would be better than you think. Well, well, well. Where are we now? This team's playing bad baseball. So should I have been going to PNC Park to support that team? Even though they were never any good. I'll go one further. Shame on anybody who shames the fans for not going. Shame on anybody for taking the side of the organization over the side of the fans. The organization says it's your fault for not going to games. Money will be put in if you go to the park. Screw them for not giving you a reason. Screw the media members who tell you how to spend your money and to go anyway. Give it a little bit. Pirates attendance is awful this year. It will continue to be so. Bottom five in percentage. Bottom five in actual attendance. You'll get blamed by management soon enough. But you're not bad baseball fans. You're smart baseball fans. You'll go if they give you a reason. They just haven't done that. It's time to go around the bags with the biggest D-bag on the Pittsburgh airwaves, Adam Crowley. Antonio Brown thinks first base is a golden shower. I'm not loving Clint Hurdle's roster management right now. Austin Meadows needs to play every day. He didn't in game one against St. Louis, didn't in game two against St. Louis, didn't game three and he hit the tying home run in the ninth, didn't game four. So that's two out of four in the series. What the bleep? Guy's hitting 392. I don't care if it's sustainable, and obviously it's not. But while he's hot, 
How can't you have him in there every day? He struck out six times in 55 plate appearances. He's putting the ball in play. He's hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and the Pirates are dropping in the standings. Keep him in. Polanco's got five hits in his last 33 at-bats. Five in 33. Yet he continues to get some playing time. Seanrod has started four of the last ten games. He's made two costly defensive miscues over the last week, and he's hitting 167. He's had 35 strikeouts and 96 at-bats. Why does he continue to get playing time? If a goalie was stopping pucks and the starter wasn't, the backup would play when he was hot. If a corner's getting burnt over and over, usually you go with the player who's staying with the wideout. Hurdle's playing the bench too much, and yes, Polanco should be on the bench. Yesterday, in a game before an off day, in a day game after another day game, Clint Hurdle sat four of the Pirates regulars. Four. In a series they had already lost the first two games in. Unacceptable. Antonio Brown thinks second base is two girls, one cup. Michael Walker came close to no hitting the Pirates yesterday. There have been no more, pardon me, no hitters taken past the sixth inning this year than there were all of last year. The average Major League batting average this year is 246. That's the lowest in 40 years. The strikeout rate record has been reset every year for the last 10 years. No hitters are fun. Watching your favorite pitcher strike dudes out is fun, but teams not putting balls in play isn't really all that fun on the macro level. Everyone's trying to save baseball. I don't know what you can do about the pitchers being that good. Young fans want action. Baseball isn't great at action, especially not when everyone and their mother is striking out. When getting to third base with LeBron, you need only take off his suit shorts. I want to take some more time and bow down to Austin Meadows. He's got an OPS of over 1,200. He's getting on base 41% of the time. He won NL Rookie of the Month after joining the Pirates in the middle of the month. But he's got two hits in his last 11 at-bats. I wonder what's slowing him down. I wonder what the problem is there. I wonder if it's that he's not playing every day. When going for home with Maria Sharapova, you have to pull out. Like Serena did. Musgrove has won his first two starts with the Bucks, who have been mired in this awful losing skid. He's become their de facto stopper at this point. He'll pitch tomorrow. The Dodgers come to town, and he will be on the hill. Not only does he give them their best chance to win right now, but he and Meadows are two reasons to watch the club, even if you're disappointed in the recent results. Hi! That'll do it for Around the Bags. Adam got the win, but he sure looks shaky doing it. And I'll tell you, the one people I gotta blame for it is you fans. There's no one in this joint. Seriously, you can hear a pin drop out there. Oh, well, we'll try it again tomorrow. Adam wins. Adam wins. The first team that we are going to determine whether or not we're going to root for, the first country, is Uruguay. So we're going to teach you some things about Uruguay. Uruguay? Uruguay? Uruguay. 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 One more time. Roll the R. Uruguay. 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 Yeah. That was my tongue. That's back in my throat. 
Uruguay. Uruguay has one of the highest literacy rates in the world with 98.1% for adults. Hey, good for you, Uruguay. Almost three quarters of Uruguay is grassland. Gotta be good for soccer, that has right? Has to be good, right? It has to be. They're on grass all the time. Yeah, kick the ball around. Uruguay became the first country in South America to allow same-sex civil unions. I thought you said it was Uruguay, not Uruguay. Marijuana's legal. Their motto's badass. Freedom or death. Sounds like a lot of the things America should strive to be. Is this country better than America? <laughs> yes, it's better than America. That's Okay, so there, therein lies the theme here. Is that we're going to read a lot of nice things about a lot of these countries. Maybe not so much later on today. We'll get to Saudi Arabia and Egypt. But is America really the best country on the planet? Is it really, Tom? Uruguay looks pretty good Uruguay right now to me. Uruguay looks, looks pretty good. Really good. I mean, cows outnumber humans three to one. Oh, so there's never a shortage of steak. How long is this national anthem? Like th- two and a half minutes. And I think I cut some of it off, too. Oh, did you have to hack some I, out? I think so. Oh, boy. That's the thing. These countries out there, their national anthems are way too long. They, they got to rein it in a little bit. Uruguay is... And this is where we'll find out who wants us to root for him or not. It's been named the most liberal country on earth. Oh, no. I know. Abortions are legal. Marijuana is legal. Same-sex marriages, civil unions are legal. And they got a lot of grass. Lands. So there's Uruguay. We've got Russia to get to later on, Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Right now on the Twitter poll, I think that Uruguay is running away with it at this point. It's close, though, between Egypt. Hey, periods, pyramids and stuff. It's going to be hard to top Uruguay. Think so? Yes. Should I check the Twitter poll? Yeah, update us. 47% say Uruguay. 42% say Egypt and Saudi Arabia and Russia aren't getting any love. Oh, so it's a tight two-horse race, at least. It is a two-horse race through the grasslands of Uruguay. Well, we'll teach them about Egypt a little bit later, then. Is that the next one we're doing? Uh, no, I think PFT Commenter is going to help us teach them about Russia. Oh, yes, that's right. 520, we hear for PFT Commenter, and we'll teach him about Russia. What Tom just said. Coming up next, the Capitals have what the Penguins had and what the Penguins need. I'll explain. It's a Crowley Show.